Welcome to Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick, brought to you by Empire Sports Media, episode 105. And Nick, it's a doozy of an episode because we have a lot to talk about. Up and down week for the Nets. Some might say we've had the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. But we got to start with with some topical stuff right now. Uh, We had a family lunch on this beautiful Monday afternoon, you, me, our mother, our father, I bought it, even though I'm in between jobs. Right <laughs> now, I bought, bless you, I Thank bought you. Uh, three sandwiches for us because our mom doesn't really eat sandwiches. She had some mushroom ravioli, and uh, it was from a place in Farallon, New Jersey, called A Family Affair. Shout out to my guy, Eddie, over there. He always hooks it up, always giving me, whether it's a free biscotti or a free artichoke salad. Eddie's the man. A family affair is one of the best delis in New Jersey. What did you think of your two sandwiches today? Because you split one with dad. They were very delicious. Uh, You can almost say we had a family affair. Am I right? (laughs) No, I don't really like that. But speaking of family affairs, and shout out again to a family affair in Farallon. Delicious. My favorite deli in North Jersey. I always get the Arthur Avenue I discussed it on, on a few podcasts ago about what my favorite sandwich is, but it's chicken cutlet, soprasat, mozzarella, pesto, olive oil, delicious. Speaking of a family affair, before we talk about the Nets, I did want to talk about the slap no. around the world. No, why? Every, like, it's so old at this point. Nobody wants for to hear second, about it anymore. For a second, I mean, Do you Will see everyone Smith, tweeting if we could just stop talking about it? We got to talk about it for two seconds. Will Smith... After after a joke by Chris Rock about Jada Pinkett Smith's alopecia, Will Smith steps on the stage in front of millions of people, slaps Chris Rock, and then basically says, you couldn't hear this in the U.S. audio, but you were able to hear it um, across the world where it was, was airing outside the USA. Uh, was it keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth? He said it twice. Look, I understand everyone's talking about it, but I just wanted to touch on it because – Look, we're in the heat of the end of the regular season. We have the playoffs coming up. Nobody knows what the Nets are going to do. There's a lot of tension around this this team. And then you look at what's going on in March Madness. All the Cinderella's are done. Bye-bye, St. Peter's. We now have a Final Four. It's a pretty boring one of Kansas um, versus Villanova and then Duke versus UNC, which has never happened in the tournament before. So this is a very tense time in sports. And it's just funny that out of everything going on, the Oscars, a crazy moment. I'm sorry. It wasn't the Oscars. It was the Academy Award, right? That's the same thing. Is it? Yeah. I thought there were two different award shows. Are you thinking of the Golden Globes? I don't know what I'm thinking of. Anyway, it's crazy that that is you, stealing you get headlines. An, at the Academy Awards, you get, you get an, an Oscar. Oscar. Okay. And that's like after someone named Oscar? Yeah, Oscar Robertson. Um, so, okay. Real fast. What did you think of the whole situation? Who's in the right? Who's in the wrong? Did you lose any respect for Will Smith? What happened? Yeah, I don't really want to talk much about it. I think Will Smith is completely in the wrong, and he made me very uncomfortable, and I hope his career suffers for it. Wow. Honestly, I think it would have been great if Will Smith just walked up to Chris Rock. Instead of slapping him, you give him a huge kiss on the mouth and you whisper, keep my wife's name out of your fucking mouth. And I just think that would have had a much better effect than what he did. Okay, fantastic. There's been, right, lot, t- there's been, there's been darker jokes said before. I don't know why Will Smith feels so entitled to 
because it happens to be his wife because he's Will Smith, do something about it. That's actually just kind of delusional. Well, he's, right. he's delusionally I, I think, narcissistic. And then to I go think up I, and tell everyone he's been sent by God to be a vessel of love for the human race is, is actually one of the most cooked things I've ever heard. He's a fantastic actor. I'm sorry, dude. You're not a doctor. You're not a scientist. You're not saving lives. You're not doing anything but making people escape their day for a little bit. And there's value in that. I, I write. I act. I love doing it. I'm not Will Smith. But if I rose to Will Smith's level, all I would know is that I'm very lucky to be there and I'm grateful and I do a good thing. Fucking relax. It's, it's like disgusting. So for those who don't know, Nick is an actor, so he can speak on behalf of all amateur actors out there. I appreciate that. Um, the one thing I'll say is there, there's two things, right? So for you to have this opinion and for me to have any opinion, you and I aren't married yet. I mean, I'm, I'm in the process of getting married, but I think that for us, it's hard to even have an opinion because we aren't married. No one's ever made a joke at our wife or, or significant other's expense in front of millions of people. Now, that's the first thing. The second thing I'll say is this has such a different, unique side to it because no couple is more open about their issues than Will Smith and Jada Pickett Smith. They literally have had shows online talking about Jada's affairs and their open relationship and the fact that we know so much about them makes this situation that much more interesting. If we had no idea what was going on in Will Smith and Jada Pinkett's marriage and, and everything was, was hunky-dory and, and, and dandy and he did this, I don't think people are having as visceral a reaction to this. I think people are saying, hey, that's a guy sticking up for his wife in a moment where she was bullied by Chris Rock. But because we know so much about them, it's a lot harder for us to say, well, hold on. How was he able to deal with all these things in such a calculated, you know, unemotional, obviously it's emotional, but he didn't go around beating people up for sleeping with his wife. And all of a sudden Chris Rock makes a dumb alopecia joke and, and he loses his cool and smacks him in the face. Um, there's a lot of different angles to it, but I just wanted to touch on it. Thought it was interesting. We all the podcast. is yeah. uh, someone one time went up to me and said, what, this is my now ex-girlfriend, but it was about my current girlfriend. A guy went up to me and said, Hey, your girlfriend is a C word. Just look me in the eyes and said that. And you know what I said? Okay. And I walked away. I didn't hit him. I didn't do anything. You know why? Maybe she was kind of a C word. And then who gives a shit? All right. All I'm like, the violence is not the answer unless someone is in danger. If Chris Rock hit Jada Pinkett Smith, Will Smith should kill him. It was just absolute, absolutely ridiculous, unnecessary, especially for someone in his position. And now you got me talking about it. I don't want to talk about it anymore. I'd also like to point out that your current girlfriend at the time is not your current girlfriend right now. I said she was my current girl. Well, you know what I meant. At the time, she was my <laughs> girlfriend. All right, let's get into some next. Nick, are you ready to talk Brooklyn Nets basketball? Please, I've been fucking dying to. Okay. Well, it's, it's not great. We got to talk about this Hornets game first. Um, nope, I don't want to talk about that either. Second half of a back-to-back. -back, we're playing the Charlotte Hornets. They are a game behind us. This is, as far as, I mean, it's not necessarily must, must, must win. But if you don't want to have to be in that 9-10 playoff playing game, that this Hornets game was absolutely essential for you to win. And they played relatively good in that first half. Well, um, they played well, they played well. Okay. Mom, mom's always correcting my English. Um, they had a good first half and, and, you know, Andre Drummond has been playing out of his mind lately. So I want to give him credit. 
he was the source of their offense in that first half. Obviously, Kevin Durant was out there doing his thing a bit, but Andre Drummond was was a one-man wrecking machine. Basically, what the Hornets were saying was, we're, we're going to cover all the guys. You know, Kyrie had a really bad game. We'll get into that in a second. But we will let Andre Drummond essentially beat us down low. And in the beginning of the game, he was unstoppable. I mean, the Nets put up 32 in the first, 28 in the second. Um, Andre Drummond finished with 20 points and 17 rebounds on 7 of 12 from the field, 6 of 11 from the line. He had three steals. He had three blocks. Just absolutely stuffed the stat sheet. And out of out of all the starters, he had the best plus minus at minus 8. Everybody else was, was uh, minus double digits. So, I mean, Andre Drummond was phenomenal in that first half. But, Nick, what worried me, was you can't depend on Andre Drummond to be your source of offense. You're going to need Kyrie Irving to step up. You're going to need Seth Curry to pick it up. And unfortunately, outside of Kevin Durant, who did not have a great shooting night, by the way, nobody else could get in the rhythm for the Brooklyn Nets. Everybody else was cold. And then, of course, the second half happens, and the Nets get absolutely bitch-slapped, speaking of slaps, in that third quarter, the Hornets put up 37. The Nets only put up 29. It was the LaMelo ball show. Seven three-pointers for ball in this one out of 12 attempts. 10 of 21 from the field. Six of eight from the line. He had 33 points and nine assists. He was your star. You can say that Miles Bridges with 24 points was your second star. Eight rebounds for Miles Bridges. P.J. Washington chipped in 18. Rozier had 14. And uh, we will get to the guy who essentially closed us out in the end in Caleb or Cody Martin. I honestly forgot which it's one is Cody, Cody Martin. Martin. And he had two points with like six minutes left in the in the fourth quarter. Yep. And hit two, maybe four minutes left, hit two huge threes. Ridiculous. One of which was a shot clock buzzer beater, one foot runner three pointer. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I mean, you talked about speaker. it. We got, we got. We had to go up against his brother, Caleb, on Saturday night against the Heat. We'll talk about that later. But to have to face these twins two nights back-to-back, I mean, one of them had us. One of them closed us out. But absolutely ridiculous games from Ball and Bridges. They really took this game over in the second half. And uh, some big big fourth-quarter buckets from Rozier and, and Isaiah Thomas. And that was all she wrote, Nick. The Nets couldn't get anything going offensively in that fourth. Kyrie got hot for a second. I think he had four or six straight points. Kyrie ended up with 16 points. But as soon as he got hot, Durant and Curry and everyone else got cold. That was the issue, right? right? We don't need everyone to be on in every game, but we need a couple people to be feeling it. And what happened to me was first half Durant was was doing decent. He was hitting some big shots and Kyrie Irving, Irving couldn't hit shit. And then the fourth quarter comes along. Durant can't do anything. It takes Kyrie half the fourth quarter to start hitting shots. I believe he shot like five for 20 from the field. And now we're looking at nobody else, no other role players, Dragic Curry. I know Curry hit one three in the fourth quarter that kept us in it for a second. But then you're looking at Mills and Dragic doing nothing, Bruce Brown doing nothing. Uh, if I remember correctly, and I'll, I'll pull up the box score now. I, I have it. I have it. Dragic seven, Claxton nine, Johnson two, Mills two, Edwards five, Bruce Brown two. Yeah, look, you look. need I mean, one or two role players to step up and hit shots, especially if Durant and Kyrie. Both aren't on one night, and that was a scary thing, right? Because we're down 5-6 with a few minutes left. Durant misses a fadeaway jumper. Durant misses a pull-up three. Kyrie then takes the ball. He's able to hit a couple back to Durant for an elbow jumper, and he misses again. So we're relying on our biggest guys in the biggest moments, as we should. 
But with them getting no help from low players and not and, – and one of them being on at one point, one of them being off, but never really being in sync together. And then you have a Hornets team with a bunch of young, hungry guys. Ball's great. Uh, uh, Terry Rozier, you know, confident, not as good, but he can put up some big shots. He had a three. Rozier's a good player. I want to. I want to give. I want to give Rozier credit. He's the third best player on this team after Ball and Bridges, but he's a good player to have. I, I like Rozier's game a lot. I mean, I mean, fourteen points in thirty-seven minutes, not great. He was a plus fifteen, uh, seven rebounds for Rozier, but he's a guy. Look, if you have all the attention on Lamelo Ball and Miles Bridges, Rozier is a guy who can hit shots if he's open. So I, I, I like, and look, when Rozier plays Kyrie, there's always a little added fire because Kyrie is essentially the guy that came in and said, bye-bye, Terry. I'm the point guard now. Get out. That's essentially what happened. So, it, you know, it was a tough loss. The Nets shot horribly from the field. They were seven of 34 from three. Okay, Kevin Durant, three of 11 from three. Kyrie Irvin, one of nine. Seth Curry, two of six. Seth Curry shot, I think, the best from three, and he was two of six. And my problem with Curry was he actually didn't have a terrible game. He was five of ten from the field. He could not get in a rhythm. For some reason, the Nets don't call a ton of plays for him. And uh, unfortunately, a guy like Curry, he needs to have a, a few more shots to get in a rhythm. So it was tough, you know, it was tough for him to get going. Patty Mills has just been atrocious. I mean, 0 of 3 from from, uh, three-point range. Two points in 12 minutes for Patty Mills. He was a plus 16. He did give us uh, an an added sort of intensity on the fast break. He was able to give us a few effort plays. That that no-look pass I think he had to Kyrie Irvin was awesome on the break. Um, But it's hard to beat a team when you shoot 7 of 34 from 3. Okay, but let's not be ter- mistaken. We shot 44 from the field in general to the Hornets 42. Yes, the which is bad. No, no, no. But I just want the, the listeners to right. understand we weren't outshot holistically in the game. It was right. the three pointers that absolutely destroyed us. Yeah, yeah. They shot 53% from three, 17 of 32. Like you said, Cody Martin, two of two. Uh, LaMelo Ball, seven of 12 from three. Terry Rozier, two of five. Miles Bridges, three of six. PJ Washington, two of three. I mean, I mean, they were Isaiah Thomas hit a three in that fourth quarter. Um, they were they were just unstoppable. And then look, we tied the game. We had a chance. Kyrie Irvin had multiple buckets. I forget what the score was. Um, it was a tie game, but it just wasn't meant to be in this one. And brutal, brutal loss for the Nets. It was a gut gut punch, man, because Kyrie's first game at the Barclays the entire season. And he plays like crap. Only, like I said, 16 points for him on 6 of 22 from the field. Kevin Durant was your leading scorer with 27, but he was 9 of 24 from the field. Um, and, and you know, just multiple turnovers from this Nets team. I think we finished with nine turnovers, which isn't a terrible number, but uh, it is what it is. And, and like I said, once Andre Drummond slowed down, unfortunately, our offensive rhythm was, was done. Um, so b- brutal loss for the Nets. This is a gut punch. From a from a standings perspective, Nick, tell the listeners where we stand now and and why this was so significant down the stretch of the end of this regular season. We've got a standings update. Pew 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 pew. pew. Should I do that every time I, I do a standings update? Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, I like I like the little added guns. So before this game, we were sitting in eighth uh, at thirty nine and thirty five, one game ahead of the Hornets, who were at the time thirty eight and thirty six. Hornets beat us. They were in ninth. We were in eighth. They jumped to eighth. They pass us. The Nets fall to ninth place, tied with the Hornets at 39 and 36, but the Hornets have the tiebreaker over us. We are now sitting in ninth, uh, one seed out of the playoffs. Uh, 
technically no games behind the Hornets, but we do need to have a half game better than them. We are one and a half games instead of the in, in front of the Atlanta Hawks, who are 37 and 37. And we are six games in front of the 11th place New York Knicks, who are 33 and 42, somewhat out of contention at this point. Overall, Celtics, Stephen A. Smith, I got to give credit, called about six or seven games ago that within the week or two, the Celtics would be jumping to first place. They are the hottest and most winning team in the NBA right now. So just to give a quick rundown, we got Celtics one, Heat two, Bucks three, Sixers four, Bulls five, Raptors six, Cavs seven, Hornets eight, and the Brooklyn Nets sitting in that ninth spot. Right now we are scheduled to play a play-in game if all stays against the Atlanta Hawks in which you would have to win and then play uh, the loser of the Cavs-Hornets for that eighth spot. If we end up in that eighth spot, we would be playing the Boston Celtics, which would be a concern of mine given how terribly Kyrie has played against the Celtics and how incredible the Celtics look right now. The only thing that's, listen, not a a good thing because he's hurt, but helps us a little bit in size is Time Lord Robert Williams III uh, is out for a long time. I believe it was an MCL, but I just want to double check. And that was your standing standings update yep. from. Uh, no, I'm sorry, Nick. he tore his meniscus. Is the meniscus tore yeah. his meniscus? Yeah, it's in your knee, right? Mm, yes. All right, that was a standings update from Nick Shaman. Pew, 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 pew. I like that a lot. Um, so that was that was a bad loss yesterday, um, but it wasn't all bad for the Nets. It was a very up and down week. So let's go all the way back to Tuesday. Coming off a great win against the Jazz for Monday night. I talked about it on last week's episode. Um, Tuesday, we get a report from Boomer Esiason on WFAN that a little birdie has told him the mandate will be lifted on Thursday and Kyrie Irvin will be able to play home games. Now, I teased that I was going on uh, another Nets podcast on Tuesday. That was Talking Nets with Keith McPherson. Everyone who listens to the show knows how I feel about Keith. I fucking love the kid. I think he's extremely talented. He, he hosts the night show weekdays on WFAN. Shout out to Keith McPherson, one of the biggest Nets fans uh, in the media right now. He really does a great job representing us. But I went on his show. We talked about Boomer Esiason's comments. We talked about the possibility of the mandate being lifted. And Keith was nothing but optimistic. He truly believed that it would happen. I was a little bit more skeptical. I had my doubts. Lo and behold, Keith Boomer, they were right. Wednesday, we basically get a report from Sham Sharania saying that Eric Adams, the mayor of New York City, is expected to lift the mandate on Thursday. Thursday rolls around. We get the actual announcement from Eric Adams, which, by the way, if anyone listened to that, really hilarious. Uh, A few of the things he said, he basically goes, when I first entered office, I looked at that rule and I thought it was really unfair that unvaccinated away players could come play here, but unvaccinated home players couldn't. And I'm I'm kind of looking around like, if you thought it was so unfair, why did you wait so long to change it? Oh, that's right. Because the Mets and the Yankees are about to start playing baseball. There's a lot of unvaccinated players on both teams. And you know, Eric Adams can deal with a pissed off Nets fan base, a pissed off Nets organization because of one Kyrie Irving. What he can't deal with is the city of New York and the entire Yankees organization and the entire Mets organization going to war with him because baseball is king in New York. It just is. That's just the way it is. So he made the decision. Eric Adams? 
Nice Hamilton reference. He made the decision or was basically pressured by baseball to lift the mandate or, or have an exemption for entertainers and athletes of the sorts. So what we get is a full-time Kyrie Irvin on, um, I think that day was the 23rd. So that was Kyrie's, no, I'm sorry. The 23rd was Kyrie's birthday, right? I need to look this up because I, I remember wishing him. Yeah, it was, it was uh, Kyrie Irvin birthday was March 23rd. So that was Wednesday. So the 24th, the announcement's made and we play the Grizzlies on the road at night. You're thinking, oh my God, you know, what an announcement, what a day. We're going to beat the Grizzlies. No Ja Morant. Look guys, there's a reason that the Grizzlies have only lost two games without Ja Morant. It's because they're a really good basketball team. And they, they basically beat the snot out of us. 132-120. This was not really a close game. They scored 40 in the first, 36 in the second. The third quarter was the only quarter where we beat them 42 to 27. And then they beat us in the fourth, 29-16. The only two sources of offense for Brooklyn all night. Kyrie had 43. Kevin Durant had 35. Both really solid performances. Kevin Durant had 35, 11 rebounds, 8 assists. Kyrie Irvin had 43 points and 8 assists. Outside of those guys... We got 15 points from Andre Drummond. We got 13 points from Bruce Brown. That was essentially it. So be, because Curry, the Nets Seth couldn't. Curry did not play. Curry did not play. But again, like you talked about needing help from your role guys. Patty Mills in 25 minutes, zero points. That's unacceptable. He had another offer in this one. Um, Nick Claxton, seven points in 20 minutes. That's expected. He wasn't playing a ton in this one. James Johnson, 11 minutes, zero points. Kessler Edwards, three points, 20 minutes. You guys are starting to see a pattern. Okay. We're not going to beat a Grizzlies team on the road who has guys like Desmond Bain, Tyus Jones, Dylan Brooks, Jaron Jackson, Jr. D'Anthony Melton coming off the bench, hitting us with 23 points, six of 10 from three point range. Desmond Bain, 23 points, 6 of 10 from three-point range. Between those two guys, they had 46 points. You tack on 21 from Dylan Brooks, who, by the way, has been hurt a lot of this year. Dylan Brooks is a real player, okay? He's out of Oregon. He's someone who can score the basketball. 13 points from Jaron Jackson Jr. Not a great game from him. You had 14 from Brandon Clark off the bench. He had some big fourth-quarter buckets. And then you had 10 from Kyle Anderson, a.k.a. Slow-Mo, New Jersey's own. Shout-out Kyle Anderson. Um, but again, Nick, where did we lose this game? Three point range, right? 36% for Brooklyn. The only guy to hit a bunch of threes in this one was Kyrie Irving. He had six outside of him. Nobody had more than one for the Grizzlies, 19 of 38 from three 50%. I talked about Bain's numbers. I talked about Melton's numbers. Jaron Jackson had a few threes. Dylan Brooks had a few threes. Uh, Kyle Anderson had one. Tyus Jones had one, but you can't win a game when you're getting outshot from three by that significant a margin. You just can't. And uh, unfortunately, you know, the name of this episode is Kevin Dur- in Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irvin. We trust because as long as those two guys are out on the court together, the nets have a chance they do, but we need our supporting cast to play better. I understand there was no Seth Curry in this one. We don't know about Ben Simmons. We have no idea What's going to happen when he's going to play? There was no LaMarcus Aldridge either. LaMarcus Aldridge is officially off the injury report, but he's missed the last week of games. 
Uh, so he missed the Grizzlies and he missed last night against. Well, he, he, he was available last night, but he did not play. I'm guessing they gave him one more day of rest. If, if he's fully healthy, he's playing. All right. You're, you're, you're getting rid of Blake Griffin's minutes. You're limiting Nick Claxton's minutes. Uh, he's probably not going to cut into Drummond's too, too much because they're different guys. But Aldridge is a scorer. And especially when we're missing uh, a lot of shooting from, you know, Joe Harris is out for the season now. Patty Mills can't hit a shot for shit. Seth Curry was out coming off injury. He was a little cold. Aldridge is a scorer and Aldridge after KD and Kyrie right now is the really the person I want the ball, uh, the, the hands I want the ball in come crunch time. Aldridge is consistent. He shoots it efficiently anywhere on the basket. I feel good with him shooting. So listen, you said it all with the Grizzlies. They're a great team. They're fun to watch. They're a bunch of young scrappy guys. They had seven guys in double digits. Desmond Baines becoming a star. He has all the confidence in the world. He's, he's just built tough. Doesn't run out hustle grinder. Love that guy. Um, I can't say too many bad things about the Grizzlies. They're, they're superstars missing, and they step up to the plate, and they beat a good Brooklyn Nets team. We're a little beat up. Uh, we're a little tired this week, but at the same time, they hit big shots down the down uh, in crunch time that we didn't hit. I'm going to somewhat disagree with your point that as long as we have Kyrie and KD on the floor, we have a shot. We have a shot, but it's a small shot. Uh, if, if it's Kyrie, KD, KD's not a bad defender. Kyrie's three-point perimeter D, kind of lacking. Uh, he's always been a somewhat of a defensive liability. We need other guys to step up. It's not a matter of, oh, put the put the uh, the game on Kyrie and KD's back and everybody else can kind of like sit around and hit a couple shots. We need a three and a four to score in double digits, right? We can't have Bruce Brown be uh, one of our top four scorers at 13, you know, even when Kyrie and, and KD are scoring 35 and 43. So I need a Seth Curry to hit five or six threes. I need a Patty Mills to hit two or three threes. I need a LaMarcus Aldridge to get a consistent 14 to 18 points a game. And if Drummond is going to be the mismatch in a couple of these games, he has to consistently get a double-double. We can't have this hot, cold, this wishy-washy. So, Well, hold on. Time out, time out. So first of all, let's let's go all the way back. You said something about LaMarcus Aldridge eating into Blake Griffin's minutes. My answer to that is what minutes? Blake Griffin is not playing right now. So let's start there. Secondly, Andre Drummond has been extremely consistent for the Brooklyn Nets. This might have been one of his worst games as a net. Uh, he, he finished with just 15 points. I mean, five rebounds is not what you want to see because he's a double-double machine. But he was 7 of 9 from the field. This game did not call for him to do much because what's he going to do? Stop Desmond Bain and DeAnthony Melton from hitting threes? That's not his game. Griffin, he has Griffin been, played 12 minutes in the Heat game, by the way. Okay, sure. Yeah, in the fourth quarter when they were up 34. That's a great point. Um, but my point is, you're, you're right on LaMarcus Aldridge. He would help. Um, but I disagree when you think he's the third clutch guy. You want the ball in his hands. And Griffin played, uh, Griffin played 20 minutes against the jazz. Thank you. We're not even talking about this game this week. Seth Curry is to me is the third guy who has to score on this team. When those three guys are balling out, you were going to talk about the heat game in a second, but when those three are playing well, the nets are unbeatable. Because then you factor in what Bruce Brown is doing. Then you factor in Andre Drummond, Nick Claxton's points. Yes, LaMarcus, LaMarcus Aldridge would provide a huge scoring you know, addition. But when you put him in, you're taking away Nick Claxton's defense. You're taking away the, the, the rim protection that Andre Drummond gives you. Um, so it's not as simple as, hey, let's just add Aldridge, take out Claxton, and the Nets will start winning. Claxton provides a serious energy on, on both the offensive and defensive side of the ball. He's able to set picks, everything. So um, the Nets, it's going to be tricky for Nash coming down the stretch. You have three big guys you can play with. Blake Griffin's essentially your fourth. Um, so that's what it is. But I, I think we're saying the same thing. We're dancing around it. 
Look, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving combined for 78 points in this game. The Nets scored 120, yet they gave up 132. So there's two things wrong with that with that equation. Obviously, they're going to need help from a Seth Curry, from a LaMarcus Aldridge, from whoever. Those are the two guys I would depend on to be the third scorer. Unfortunately, Patty Mills just fell off the face of the earth. He, he cannot score the ball. He cannot shoot the ball. It's it's tough to watch, man. He, he's been really bad these last few weeks, almost to the point where I just don't know how much he's going to play in the playoffs. He's been really bad. But I, I'm sure Nash is going to give him a shot, and I'm hoping, I'm hoping that his clutch gene kicks in once these playoffs start. We'll see a different Patty Mills. That is my hope. But on the scoring front, yes, you're going to need an Aldridge. You're going to need a Seth Curry. You're going to need one other guy to step up and, and be that third guy most games. The other side of this, Nick, we're not, we haven't touched on defense. I said our perimeter defenses are like three-point defenses. Dude, us. we let up 132 to, to the Grizzlies and, and could not stop them from shooting the ball from the perimeter. We let up 119 to the Hornets. And we could not slow down. It's not even, it's also the open shots they're getting. Right. Cody Martin had two wide open threes. Rozier had a wide open three. We're not getting out. And and to me, that's somewhat a lack of just just defensive uh, awareness and talent on some of our players. But it's also a lack of heart. When I see a ball get kicked out in the corner to Cody Martin, and I'm going to reference this Hornets game because it's still fresh on my plate and I'm angry about it. And I see nobody running out. Listen. He had about six to seven feet of breathing room. The The idea of someone getting a hand on that ball or, or, or somewhat uh, putting him off his shot and fucking him up a little bit was slim. But what I see is two guys standing in a relatively running distance and watching it and kind of giving up on the play. And that to me is something that the Grizzlies don't do. The Grizzlies go for every loose ball. The Grizzlies sprint out on every three-point shot. The Grizzlies out-hustled us and they out-hearted us. And as, ah, shit, I can't quote gene hackman again miles and miles a heart in the stop movie with the replacements we get it. Only put the replacements. oh my god it's not even the same sport um you're absolutely right uh, some of its effort i think some of it is just missed assignments look the first three that martin hit the one-footed three that was at the end of the shot clock that was actually a pretty good defensive possession by the nets the second three if i'm not mistaken i think it was a loose ball but Martin ended up with a wide open baseline three. Those are going to happen. Okay. I'm not even that mad at those two shots. Brandon Clark had some huge buckets in that fourth quarter. One on Kevin Durant, where he just took Durant to the hole and scored. LaMelo Ball, he shot 12 threes. He had seven of them. But for most of that game, they, they weren't contested threes. Same with Desmond Bain. Same with DeAnthony Melton. You're right. We need to make it tougher on these on these perimeter players when it comes to shooting and that is something that if we don't figure out before the playoffs start and we don't get our defense just a little bit tighter and we'll talk about this heat game because it's important to talk about the start we got off to and how we basically just won that game wire to wire but if we don't figure it out on the defensive side of the ball we're going to be screwed and we have to also figure it out figure it out on the offensive side of the ball and say hey if Kevin Durant Kyrie Irving whatever the case is we need Seth Curry to be aggressive we need LaMarcus Aldridge to score whatever we, we we need Andre Drummond to keep doing his thing. Nick Claxton, Bruce Brown, Kessler Edwards has, has stepped up, given us some, some good minutes as of late. Um, you know, the, and, and Goran Dragic, I, I can't express how important signing Goran Dragic was for this, this organization to have a veteran point guard who can handle the ball, manage the game when Kyrie or KD are on the bench is, at, is it's huge. It's, it's extremely significant. 
because Patty's not that guy. Let's face it. He's not really the manage, let me control the game point guard. Um, that's that's Drogic's game to a T. So shout out Goran Drogic. He's been, he, it hasn't been showing up in the stats, but he's been giving the Nets some really good minutes. So are you ready to get to this heat game? Can we, can we at least talk about the one or, or, or the second bright spot for the Nets this week, aside from the Kyrie Irving news getting announced? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so the, the the Nets played the Heat on Saturday night. This was the first half of a back-to-back, coming off a loss against the Grizzlies, and they handled this Heat team with relatively zero um, zero pushback. I, I mean, uh, they, they they outscored the Heat forty to twenty-one in the second quarter, and and that was basically all she wrote. This game was over at halftime. They outscored them twenty-nine to twenty-two in the third. The Heat made a run in the fourth, but but the game was essentially over uh, at that point. And shout out to Blake Griffin for closing out the Heat. He had three threes in the fourth quarter. I never thought I'd say thank God for Blake Griffin shooting threes, but he essentially stopped whatever run the Heat had in that fourth to, to try to pull out a shocker in this one. Um, not a ton of you know high scoring games from Brooklyn because it was a very balanced effort. Twenty three points for Kevin Durant, seventeen points for Seth Curry. Uh, Five of six from the three for from the three-point land for, for Seth Curry. And that is something that you'll love to see. He was a plus 20. Uh Kyrie Irvin had 11 points, six assists. He didn't need to do much in this one. He was a plus 20. Um, and Andre Drummond, 13 points, 11 rebounds. He seemed to once again dominate in the first half. And we got this amazing steal, fast break, and chucking up the deuces to Kyle Lowry from Andre Drummond, who finished with the two-handed dunk. They asked him, hey, you know, what led you to do that after the game? He basically said, well, Tyree Kills coming to Miami. Thought I'd pay him some homage by, by chucking up the deuces. Um, and it was amazing. It, the, the, the coolest part about it was just the fact that he's moving so slowly and he throws up, the, and you can tell in real time, he throws up the deuces and then he takes two really large steps from the three-point line to just slam it home. So oh, that was the highlight of the game, but overall great team win. Um, 10 points for Nick Claxton, five of five from the field. He was a plus 22 in this one. Uh, Blake Griffin had nine, like I mentioned, on those three threes. And um, that was really it, man. I, I mean, the Heat just couldn't get anything going. You know, they, the high man for them was was Bam on a bio with 14, but Jimmy Butler, pathetic game, seven points for him. Uh, again, I, I think I've said it on this podcast. I am not scared of the Heat. They are not, they do not scare me. I, I understand the run they made a few years ago, but but they're just, they're, they don't have the superstar talent that you want in the playoffs. Butler's great. Is he a top 10 player? I don't think so. Bam on a bio is great. Is he a top five center? Maybe. Maybe he's four or five. Duncan Robinson had zero points in this game in 13 minutes. I love that. I absolutely love that. Um, we shot 33% from three. Not great. Seth Curry was really the only guy who did it for us. The Heat shot 29%. We shot 47% from the field to the Heat's 44%. Um, but, you know, you know, this was a game, Nick, where we stifled the Heat on defense had a had a you know balanced offensive effort, and this is the kind of team that we know the Nets can be come playoff time. Yeah, I'm not as excited as you are. I think we're catching the Heat on a on a four game losing streak after after we beat them. So they're on a three game losing streak. One of them being to the New York Knicks, 
who are sitting in 10th in the East. The Heat are also coming off a lot of uh, internal turmoil. They had that whole blow up between Butler, Spolstra, uh, and uh, Udonis Haslam, um, who for some reason is still uh, hanging around and thinking he's a basketball player. So, listen, we shot 47% from the field. We still couldn't do shit from three at 33%. But this is more so the Heat, us getting a little lucky and finding the Heat in a really bad spell. Uh, they're a very great three-point shooting team normally. Duncan didn't do anything this game. Uh, I want to say Duncan had zero, but let me confirm that. Yep, Duncan Robinson had zero points in 13 minutes. Uh, they shot 29% from three, 10 for 34. So, yeah, this is cool. It was a cool win, especially because the Heat are, are, I believe, still second in the East. Let me confirm right now. Yep, they're still second tied with the Celtics for 47 and 28, but the Celtics are one above them on a four-game losing streak, like I said, and then they're playing right now. So I wouldn't get too Look, excited. We lost We lost the game before, and we lost yes. the game after, yes. and we and we caught a Heat team in a really bad place. So they they were on the second half of a back-to-back, too. They had just lost the Knicks. Exactly. So I wouldn't – I get it. I wouldn't be, uh, you know, grabbing the, uh, the bells and ringing them just yet. Is that an expression? You grab the bells and then you ring them? Yes, I think that's, that's the expression. Um, so, yeah, up and down week for the Nets, two and two on the week. Um, you'd like to see this team close out the season with, with the urgency that I, I think every Nets fan has. You have Detroit on Tuesday, Milwaukee Thursday, Atlanta Saturday, and then the following week you have Houston and New York. Uh, Knicks on a back-to-back. You finish the season in Cleveland. I'm sorry, home against Cleveland, home against Indiana. So you have seven games left. You, you Try to run the table if you can. Um, we are going to end the, this episode. I think my dog is having a panic attack. I hope he's okay. Uh, yeah, he had the fire alarm going off and he hates that, but thank you guys for listening to another episode of fireside nets with Spen and Nick brought to you by Empire sports media episode 105 tune in next week to hear Nick and I break down basically the end of the regular season for the Brooklyn nets. And, uh, Nick, you want to take, take this one away? No, 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 no